Hello, everyone. Welcome to our Bridges podcast, episode three, dating special. Uh, we thought it might be interesting to actually have a little chat about what it is like when you have any sort of, when you're going through tough times, conditions, illnesses, or injuries. And uh, what is it like to go and start dating, meeting people and relationships so uh, I got lovely Claire and Scott with me again here I'm Evie and let's go around and for those who doesn't know us yet introduce ourselves Claire is a woman oh hello sorry I'm Claire you froze a minute and I'm Claire yeah hi nice to see you all again um I work with Bridget because I live with long-term respiratory illness after cancer treatment when I was younger um and yeah, definitely been in and out of the dating world on and off in my time. So it'd be interesting to chat to her about it. And yeah, I'm Scott. I also work for Bridges. Um, I'm a stroke survivor. And uh, yeah, also have quite a long past with uh, dating with, um, yeah, with my condition. So yeah, it'd be interesting to chat and find out about your experiences and compare notes. <laughs> Lovely, and uh, I'm Evie, and um, I'm currently newly single. I'm a major trauma survivor. Five, just gone five years since my accident. So yes, I definitely would like to pick up some new tips because again, I'm new to the scene. So it would be, it'd be good to talk about it because I feel quite anxious about it being on the market again. So guys, how is it like for you? Because uh, I remember after my accident, I was single and I had to date and I was quite nervous and there were lots of things going through my mind. And I'm just thinking, did you feel the same? Do you feel the same? Where are you at the moment with dating or relationships? So shall I go first? Yeah. Uh, um, so I guess for me so I wasn't in a relationship prior to my stroke um and I am I'll I'll come to where I am now a bit later on um I won't I won't spoil the surprise there um but (laughs) yeah yeah I um it took me a long time to get back to dating I think there were a lot of things that I wanted to focus on individually first um but it was always a constant thing in the back of my mind that i wanted to get back to i I always wanted to get back to um having a relationship with somebody i was 22 when i when i had my stroke um and had kind of been dating for a little while when i um when i had my stroke so was was quite keen to get back to to dating um and for me i consider myself to be a very different person after my stroke than i was before my stroke so i was very um conscious of the fact that dating was going to be a very different experience after my stroke than it was before my stroke um claire i guess you're in a your situation is slightly different um so yeah it'd be really interesting to hear kind of how things have been for you really yeah, it's interesting. I am um, because I first got ill when I was seventeen, as so relatively young as well, and um, wasn't in a you know was kind of going on a few dates. You, you know, the, the whole world of dating was kind of just new right then, so I didn't have a clue what I was doing. And then I had sort of pretty much two years completely out of action, like no social life at all. So um, it's been it's almost sort of two different. Uh, it's affected me in two different ways. So the first acute, when I had the cancer treatment, I was really unwell. And then I did get better and went back to university and I dated and I had relationships. And it was, the issue then was very much, how do I talk about what I went through with someone who didn't go through it with me, who doesn't know what that was like at an age where you're sort of like, it's not really normal to have sort of been on the brink of death at 20 odd, you know, it's really, it's a, it's a unique experience that is hard to share with someone in a relationship setting when you just want to be young and fun and fancy free. Do you know what I mean? That's not something you want to sit down and chat about. And I found that hard, um, but you know, found ways around it. And then as time has gone on, I've got the 
kind of the lung condition now is because it's a progressive one and it's chronic and it's an everyday management thing and it impacts my life much more day to day now than it did for now I'm currently single again and um and now it's much more about how do I explain what my life looks like to someone else um and when do I explain that and you know all the the limitations on what I can and can't do how does that fit into kind of trying to go on first dates where it's all a bit awkward anyway and so it's much more about the day-to-day practicalities rather than the kind of deeper meaningful conversations that you might be having um so yeah I mean I completely understand every like feeling anxious about it I go through phases where I just stick my head in the sand and decide I'm not ever going to talk to anyone ever again because it just all feels a bit overwhelming um and then days when I get courage and I sort of go crazy swiping on dating apps so I just I don't think there's a right and wrong way about it but it's really interesting to compare stories for sure Mm. how about you Evie uh, yeah, uh, for me, I was a little bit later in my life when my accident happened. So I was 35, just gone single. single. Uh, I was really excited probably because it was two months before I had my accident when I uh, became single after a long-term relationship. I had no children. So, and because of, uh, I come from Czech Republic, so there is a very strong sense of I should have been married by then and have children. So there's a there was quite a big pressure on me as a woman uh, with my social background where I come from to actually have a partner and have the family. And, and then this huge thing happened. I was very excited to start dating again. I was very ready. And then uh, I had the accident and I ended up with crushed pelvis and and fractured spine and massive nerve injuries. And and I think the worst thing for me was not knowing how long it's going to take to get better and who would date me in a wheelchair. And I was, you know, bound. Well, first I was bed bound and then I made progress to a wheelchair, but that was a big thing for me. Um, if A, the age, I thought I'm very old, then no one would look at me twice because I'm already 35 and and B, I'm in a wheelchair. C, I got lots of scars. And and if anyone asks me, I can't give him really an answer if I'm going to work, if and how long is that going to take? And and would would they would they like me? Would they think it's too complicated? Funnily enough, I think I got a bit desperate because I was very lonely. My family was in Czech and I had very few friends that could come and visit. And because you bought and all you have is phone while you're in the hospital, I actually did manage to secure a date. I went in a wheelchair with massive pink fluffy socks and I, I did have a date. And I even did, did get kiss, which was shocking, but of course it didn't go anywhere. And I, I don't even know why I did it because you have better things to do to recover rather than date in such a acute stage. But then in... Yeah, then, then I just fast forward, I met someone else. And, and for me, just looking back now, being single again, quite newly for about six months, the whole experience of getting the date and finding a partner and what, what it led to, it still, it didn't make it easier for me now going on to dating again. It's even harder, I think. Yeah, I mean, dating's not, not easy full stop is it <laughs> like so you got dating yes. you've got dating with illness and now we've got dating with illness in a pandemic it's like how, where do you even start with this yeah. <laughs> um yeah how do you start like when you're having just meeting people or however you meet them how do you, do you bring up illness or your health or anything like when do you bring it up yeah when did you bring it up when you dated Scott? So for me, so I, um, so I'd, I'd moved down to London and was working a lot. So, uh, and being, being blind, <laughs> the easiest way for me to meet people was through online dating because I could then build up a dialogue with people and I made a really conscious decision not to mention the fact 
that I was blind or that I had any kind of disability in my profile because I really wanted people to not judge me based on um, not based on the kind of written profile like the written dating profile I was always I had always kind of vowed that I would before I was going to meet anyone I would always tell them before a first meeting because I, I don't think I feel like that would just be really bad for them to kind of turn up on a on a first date and, and then to to meet me and think oh wow this isn't this isn't what I was expecting at all um but I I didn't want in that kind of the you know where you have like I don't know 200 words or whatever it is to describe yourself I didn't want a large portion of that to be spent you know explaining that I had a disability or or you know that I was blind or whatever and and that was just that was a decision that I made really um so I I kind of wanted to have a bit of discussion with people and then once I had built up a nice rapport with people then to tell them and and generally um through the people I spoke to I had a really positive experience with that um I think I only had one negative experience where somebody really like reacted badly and to me not telling them sooner um but oh what did they say they just were like, oh, that's that's outrageous. Um, you know, I can't believe you. Yeah, I can't believe you, you've kind of hidden this. And just, and this was all kind of chatting over, over messaging and, oh and just didn't, didn't chat to me again. And I was just, I was quite like, okay, well, if they're going to be like that, then I, I don't want to chat to you anymore anyway. Um, but yes. yeah, generally, generally people were, were were great about it, and I met met a few people. Um, and um, yeah, the person that I met that I that I'm now married to. Um, so we yeah we met we met online. Um, yeah, and and got married and have a daughter together. So, um, but yeah, I didn't I didn't tell her before um beforehand like in my profile obviously I told her before we met um but yeah I I kind of some of the things that you've said Abby and and Claire as well like I was very conscious of the fact of you know will somebody want to date me like you know I'm 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 blind. I'm. I'm not very steady on my feet, and these kind of things. So it was very much me caught up in my own issues, um, rather than aware of actually. Pe- people are, people are really, um, you know, are really forgiving of of a lot of things, um, and it was probably some of the a lot of vanity from, like pre-stroke Scott as well I was probably quite a vain person from before um but yeah it's it was it was a really you know it was something I was very conscious of um you know have you guys had similar experiences Claire what about you I was just going to say that um it kind of seems to me to kind of go along quite um laterally with like a building confidence generally like as you get kind of better at accepting your condition and what it means for you and how your life looks and how accepting you are of it um, becomes a lot easier to ask other people to accept it, I think. So it's sort of early days, I would hide everything, didn't want to talk about it. Um, And in fact, had, you know, had an early, you know, I was quite young, but had a relationship where I just didn't talk about any of my experiences because it was done and it was over and that was it. And of course it wasn't, it had long, um long-reaching implications but it was just because I hadn't really processed it all and I wasn't really comfortable with what it meant and so I wasn't ready to talk about that with someone else either um and I think it's a real real sign of confidence if you can go on a dating app and have someone go actually I'm not up for taking that on and for you to not take that personally Mm. is a really good sign of like being in quite a good place with it yourself Mm. um and that's I think that's it it's the same with every other area of life really isn't it it's kind of like getting people back to work and getting a purpose and 
building family relationships and all those things that we do as kind of recovery and rehabilitation it's a lot of it's about confidence and acceptance I think yeah yeah uh with that confidence that rings a bell with me because I'm listening to you too and uh when I started dating the first time around uh, I was very conscious about trying to be very honest about it and give them give people the option to decide whether they want but I think it because also it was a matter of quite visible injuries so uh you saw that I had crutches or a wheelchair or it wasn't a thing I could hide I still had plasters and my arm was really not working well so it was quite quite a disability visible disability to me so I felt there and then that I need to say it and um They are never really nice, and and as Claire, and as Claire, you mentioned the confidence. I think that built a confidence in me to be more open about it and and talk about it because I, I had to. I felt I need to because it's such a visible thing, and uh, I became more confident. There were times when actually people would say, "Oh no, you are too complicated. I don't want to. Sorry." And um, oh, you have. I noticed you have crutches on your pictures. Why is that? Uh, oh, so you're quite disabled. They would say openly to me, and they would end the conversation. So I had to learn to accept this as. And the, Scott, you said as well. Well, this is better to find out now than later, I suppose, and not to take it personally. And then when I found someone, I think the main difference for me now is because I'm five years down the road and uh, the, the disability is not as visible. Um, I think you, you, when you look at me or speak to me, you would not think that I'm going through troubles, uh, but uh, there's chronic fatigue, uh, chronic pain because of my nerve damage. And uh, my arm doesn't cut, but it, you can't tell the first glance. And also how people that I work only three days a week and I need a lot of rest and I need to space myself out. But because it's not so visible, I found it, and I'm again new to dating again. I don't know how to, how to do it now, whether I say it now that I still have problems and why I work so little and um, why they can touch me on my arm or my back because that actually really hurts even through clothes so you know when you meet someone they tend to whether it's a hug although now a hug is irrelevant but still there is a communication and I always need to watch out where they stand on my side so yeah I'm, I'm I'm struggling with that one now because it's not so visible so when do I say it I don't know yeah, that, and that's the same. I was thinking as you were talking about the kind of visible injuries and having to explain them, I was thinking I've never really dated with anything that would be visible to anyone. My conditions are fairly invisible. And um, and it is really hard. It's really hard because you also, it's just not natural, is it? You you kind of got this thing of, I want to put across my best self as everyone does when they first mm. meet someone. And not that there's anything wrong with having a limitation, but it's, probably not the first, like Scott was saying, not the first thing you'd want someone to know about you. Equally then you don't want to be accused of hiding things. So it is a real balance of, I mean, I find I tend to try and let it come up naturally in conversation because people will say, what do you do for work? And I'm like, well, I do what I can when I can, because you know, and you kind of, it's all a bit vague, but it, there's no, there's no rule book. And it's really hard to, I had to just judge each conversation on its own merit. Um, mm yeah you drop like little hints here and there and stuff don't you and you kind of you you almost manufacture the conversation for for it to appear like it's come out naturally but actually you kind of engineered it to (laughs) to come out naturally almost and it's it's really interesting (laughs) that so for me um i i (laughs) when I was dating I found myself worrying about all of the practical things of the of the date itself so like how was I going to get from A to B or Mm. you know how was I going to you know how was I going to um 
like what was I going to eat that didn't involve me making too much of a fool of myself like so I you know I would do things like check out the menu like if say we were going to go for some food I would check out the menu to make sure I could have something like a burger that was acceptable for me to eat with my hands because if I had to use things like cutlery then there was a risk that I would like make a real hash of the cutlery and then they're getting food all down my front and would make a bad image or you know I like I would phone ahead to the restaurant and and, ins- and insist that the table had to be on level so like with with um Karis my wife now I I try and insist that we don't have to go up or downstairs but if we do have to go up or downstairs there's no great issue but I would never go on a date with somebody where I had to go up and downstairs mm-hmm. because I generally need assistance from someone to, to go up or downstairs. So I would like that would be a real kind of factor. So there, there's all of those that kind of pre-preparation or, you know, say we're going to a bar for a drink or something like that. So there's, there's all that kind of mental energy that goes into thinking about it. So I would then have to, like everything would have to kind of be on my terms almost which I don't know it there's there's kind of that that chivalrous aspect of I guess being a being a guy and and stuff but but actually a lot of the time it was me taking control because it really suited me to the things to, to kind of be on my terms I you know do you two find yourself um like really overthinking the practical a lot overthinking but really kind of hyper thinking the practical aspects of of a date um sometimes or you know dates or or just you know uh thinking forward into into mm, things yeah. heavy what about you or claire you want to go claire <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah um i was just thinking that um i'm exactly the same with quite often and particularly now like people will be well let's go for a dis- socially distance walk and I'm like oh here we go now I can't like <laughs> I can't walk very far without getting really out of breath and then when you're really out of breath you can't really have a conversation so I'm like and then you wear a mask and it adds a whole other level of <laughs> so yeah I mean even before just I would worry about even things like if you were going back to the tube together to go home or you know like to say goodbye they'd like going up the stairs and I'm like oh god what if they go up the stairs and I can't follow them up the stairs I have to go to the escalator I'm gonna look like a weirdo or, you know like all those <laughs> things where I just kind of yeah I definitely do the overthinking and then also I don't drink either which is another level of explain that like why mm. isn't that so there's kind of lots of things that on top of all the will they won't they like me as just me you've got all these other elements that you're kind of worried about and I don't know. Sometimes I think I forget to worry about the will they like me bit because I'm so worried about the rest of it. I'm just like, oh my God, if I can get through without passing out through like oxygen depletion, then I've done a good date. Yeah, I think it's a bit like any kind of, when we look at kind of self-management of our conditions, that's a, I mean, with dating, the stakes are a bit higher, the emotional stakes. But Mm. actually when we go and plan anything like a, you know trip out anywhere or holiday or like there are so many more practical considerations for someone if you like doing anything with illness and it's just it's just another one of those things I guess yeah it's a lot of effort I uh, when I go on a date for me before it was obviously I had to think of the practical reasons uh, because of of my hips and my pelvis and my like injuries, as Claire mentioned and you Scott, you know, making sure it's not up the stairs, it's not very far away. Uh, crutches, where do I put crutches? And uh, so I don't trip and people, you know, push me over. Plus um, for quite a while I had, um, and because of my nerve damage in my legs, um, a lot of the time my right leg would kind of kick sideways. So I look like I'm having a weird dance while trying to walk, but in my head, I'm trying to willingly put it normally in front of me, but my leg would just kick sideways or, or my arm would just jerk in a way. So I was really conscious about it. And the more nervous I was, the, the, the worse the tick would become. So there were aspects to that. Um, people were nice and uh, 
I did have to explain it. I mean, when it happened, you get these funny looks and then if people are nice about it, it always helps. And once they knew it was better, I found out it was actually better for me that they were prepared for it to happen. Um, but now what it is, is um, I need to think that the date is not far away for me to go uh, because I get tired. I'm thinking traveling also coronavirus is enabled now dating out of the window completely. But uh, I need to always make sure they're on the right side of my body. So I don't want to have them sitting on my uh, right side because of my nerve pain in my shoulder and my arm. Um, I, I, I want to make sure that I can actually get up comfortably because I found out that if I sit for too long, I get a lot of pain in my pelvis. So then I, I sit, when I need to stand up, I really need a space and comfy seat. The other day I went on a date and I actually got stuck behind it. It was like a bench boot kind of place. And, and I got stuck behind the table because I couldn't get up comfortably. And I ended up sliding down and almost, you know, it was very embarrassing. But seriously, <laughs> these things, and so I do need to plan a bit ahead, and I need to make sure that I have enough break between work and going on other things like meeting friends in between or doing lots of physical things or long walk because then I end up going really shattered. So, there's <laughs> a lot of planning involved. Yes, that's true. Yeah, for for me, so I um. I I can't because of my lack of vision. I I really struggle in noisy environments because, uh, like we when we can see, we we really um, we we do like a lot of lip reading and stuff. And and there was one date that I went on, and I made a really bad error of going to a really noisy. Um, uh, I think it was a Vietnamese restaurant or something, and. And I basically sat there with this, um, with this, with this person, and <laughs> the whole meal was, we there was no conversation because I couldn't hear what she was saying to me. So oh. I, I think I was just replying to her things she was saying with me to, to stuff that was completely irrelevant, and the, the whole thing was just such a such a disaster. Um, and yeah, it was just. Uh, it was just it was just terrible so yeah really 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 worth uh, trying to plan them as much as you can i'm sorry scott oh, yeah, and just... we, we i just to let you know we lost claire and guys if you're listening for a moment claire did warn us she had a bit of patchy internet so hopefully she'll join us back as soon as she can and i just i'm also thinking i forgot to mention uh, I do have quite a few scars, although considering what they used to look and they look now, they look beautiful now, but still very But That's another thing I'm still conscious about. I don't mind when people already know me or, you know, I, I met them a couple of times, but it does always play on my mind. But I did find out that people actually don't notice them or uh, they're either very kind and don't tell me or and they just pretend they haven't noticed my scars. But the thing I was really worried about, there was a huge thing for me, my scars. Mm. That's a thing that actually no one notices. And that's a nice realization just to come to think of it. Do you have anything like that, Scott, that maybe you were really worried about and found out that actually it wasn't an issue? Um, I, I don't... I think there's... I think for me it's things more like just how how bad my how bad like my balance is and and things like that um i don't have too much in the way of like visible um yeah like too much in the way of like visible marks or like things that would point me yeah would mark me out i i mean the the things that really kind of marked me out like I have a, a massive white cane that kind of <laughs> would would mark me out from a from a big distance um but yeah I, I it's 
yeah it's kind of it's you know it's things like my my kind of balance and, and stuff like that um that kind of i'm very conscious of those things and and will try to um oh yeah i'll i'll really try to kind of be careful with those and 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 that is then impacted by like my kind of the kind of footwear that i can wear so um for instance like my my walking is much better if i can then wear like really comfy trainers so then like if we go to somewhere really smart that doesn't really let you wear trainers and i and i have to wear smart shoes my balance mm. is noticeably worse um so i'm then um yeah you know i'm then a bit more doddery um but i'm also much more self like self-conscious about my walking and I'm much more cautious about my gait and stuff as well so it then kind of makes me a lot more on edge uh, stuff like that so you know just those kind of things and you know I, I, like, as I was saying earlier it's things like um, using using an, a knife and fork and, and stuff like that or you know peas you know peas are a nightmare trying to trying to trying to deal with peas or or gravy <laughs> or anything like that i'll i'll avoid and that's peas. A I'll, avoid, I'll avoid peas at all at all costs particularly if i'm wearing a white <laughs> shirt so um yes it's kind of it's those kind of things really mm. um, so we have we have claire back and claire we were just talking about i mentioned just very quickly that um like I was really, really conscious and I still am really conscious about my scars, especially on my hand and forearm. It's very visible to me, although I'm much better about them. But uh, I was surprised to find out that actually the thing I was worried about most is actually okay. And people, for whatever reason, don't notice it. And that's really nice and nice realization that a lot of it was in my head. Uh, and uh, we just talked with Scott whether we had similar experiences. Did you come across something that maybe you were really worried about and actually it turned out that it's not a problem for the other people you're meeting? Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I've got quite a lot of scars and... You muted, Claire. Claire, you muted, sorry. <laughs> Yeah, sorry, I cut out again. Um, I had I'd had chemotherapy and I'd um, lost my hair and I'd lost a lot of weight. And so my appearance when I first got back and first was starting uni and stuff like that was so different to what I knew. Like I didn't look like me to me. Mm -hmm. um, and I'd kind of, I guess I'd kind of forgotten that people before who I was meeting knew didn't know me before. And so actually they were just judging me as, as though that was always me and... And so their reaction was far less kind of marked than I thought it would be. Um, strangely with scars, it wasn't my scars I wasn't worried about because I kind of felt they were quite hardcore. Do you know what I mean? I was quite like, I don't know, when people asked where I'd got scars from, I kind of, I guess, and I'm, you know, I have to appreciate the fact that mine aren't visible unless I choose to show them they're like on my back. And, but still, I kind of, I was quite proud of them almost. Like, yeah, I went through this. This is a big deal. And, um it kind of it it's evidence of that and I I don't mind it um but the other stuff like yeah growing my hair back getting my my weight going up and down all the time and being quite conscious of that um but like I say yeah other people just take you as you are when you get there don't they they sort of they're not judging you to any before and after standard and so yeah it was a lot easier than I thought actually I think that's a really important point that you brought up is they don't know you from so they're judging you from now forwards they're or not yeah but they're yeah they're they're kind of judging you from now forwards right so they don't know all of the, all of the past history that you're thinking about in your head and and stuff so actually that that they're kind of seeing you as a as a clean slate um so we're kind of carrying on all of this mm. baggage in our heads that we think that they're seeing but they're not at all and and um you know they're, they're just taking us for for kind of who we are in the in the here and now which is is really great um in 
you know that's that's a brilliant that's that's what we want and actually if we can just relax into that and, and just enjoy it um then that's it, it's really it's really it's really liberating <laughs> um, so no you're right did you guys like have any discussions about dating with kind of any healthcare professionals or or anyone like that like kind of tips or you know talk about no and 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 it's very interesting i don't know if it's my internet or but the no, no, for me, uh, no one ever talked to me about it. I did, I remember asking in the hospital if, um, but it was about sex, if I can have sex, because with my injuries, you know, my pelvis in pieces, fractured spine, legs, arm didn't work, like what the hell? And I remember they, they were like, well, if, if you can. <laughs> and I'm like, what, what about dating? Well, and they kind of brushed it off as well, in a sense of, we think you have a better things to worry about at the moment than dating. But I remember at that point, it was really important to me to have that question answered because as I said before, I'm 35, no children. Uh, maybe I would like some, so I need to build a relationship. And do I, so I really needed to talk to someone about it, but it, it wasn't part of my physical recovery, I suppose. So no one really addressed it with me. So it was put on a side and, I just automatically assumed it's not a right thing to ask or talk to them about waste their time. But I I totally would. If I have another car crash uh, and I need to go through all of this again, I'm totally going to, you know, talk to them about it because I, I needed that support and I still feel I needed support. Please Mentally. don't have another car crash. No, 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 I'm done. I had three, so I'm done. Thank you. <laughs> no more in the field research, Abby. <laughs> um, but I'm exactly the same as you like given it's quite interesting as well given that like when what I about you did you yeah I think um when when I left hospital for the first time or left you know it was over a stage but when I was sort of discharged from the main inpatient treatment when I was younger nobody even mentioned it and I was just kind of getting ready to go off to university and there wasn't any discussion about how do you feel about any of this dating or sex like none of it um and actually now it's interesting there are some there are some kind of talks around relationships and um I know we'll be talking about sex and relationships in another time but just the kind of s symptoms and how they affect that side of your life is talked about a bit more I think but not dating and I think perhaps you're right it's because it's not it's not a medical thing. Do you know what I mean? It's a more psychological, emotional barrier that you might come up against or find problems with. That it's just, it's never mentioned to me. I mean, I have, I, I found, yeah, I found some good, uh, like, charity, like workshops that I've done and been part of and helped to run actually on dating because nobody was talking about it for younger people with illness. Um, so, yeah, I think in the medical system, it's not really, it's not really. And it's sure this. As we stated, isn't it, all three of us said, uh, if you just think about from occupational therapist, I suppose, point of view, how to problem solve, how to get ready, not only for going to therapies or going to do your shopping or how to reach a bus stop, but how to go on a date. So many things to think about. What about you, Scott? Did you, did you manage to speak to anyone? No, I don't. Uh, because I, I think when I when I was having most of my involvement with healthcare professionals, I wasn't in the in the mindset really to be thinking about dating. I was I was in a kind of a rehab mindset. Um, but yeah, I I think it's something that I would yeah I would have found useful. Um, but I also I think probably a bit more um like peer advice or mm. or you know actually what we're doing here is you know kind of talking to other people that have been through similar things i think would have been more useful to me at that time because i think it's such um such an individual thing and such a um such a personal thing but also is so um it's so dependent on the other person like 
particularly when you're um you know like laying out your profile and stuff so much of it is up you know if you are going with down the online route it's it's a lot of it is up to the how the other person interprets it and Mm. things like that but also it's how do you how you feel comfortable with what you put on your profile because i've spoken to a lot of people who are like yeah i want to you know i want to stay that my disability right up front because actually i i want somebody who's prepared to accept that right from the get-go i don't want to i don't even want to have a discussion with somebody who's not prepared to accept that from the from the get-go which i completely understand and completely accept but it's you know it's something that's so individual but i think it's really useful to have the discussion with people that have that have kind of tried things in from lots of different ways and lots of different perspectives and and things like that so I, I think actually I probably would have benefited more from speaking to more of my peers maybe more than um, healthcare professionals on yeah, that I, agree. I think it's I think sometimes because it in exactly like you say in this instance it's not you know there's no black and white right and wrong is there there's no yeah. correct way of dating um with a, with a health condition um and what you really need is reassurance that the things you're feeling are normal the anxieties are like completely natural that these are all the things other people have thought about and worried about too so you don't feel on your own with it um and it's more that stuff that's helpful um rather than abc because that's not how it works is it yeah and i think it would be nice if um and i think that's where i came from with my therapist or people if you're in their care and you you're trying to sort out everything that might be on your mind that they will know about maybe peer support groups or or other patients or some somewhere they can sign post you somewhere that you can get that kind of support and if there is a professional need uh, then maybe someone is out there comfortable to talk to you about it just the availability of signposting or being brave enough to open the topic because maybe we just need to vent. Yeah. And everyone is different and everyone wants to do it differently. Or we are in different stages. Like me at the beginning, I was very happy to stage everything out front. Now I feel I don't know when to say it. I don't want to say it as a first thing because it's not visible and I don't want to put anyone off. But I don't know. I think. For me, I think, what was the key thing for you? For me now, it's understanding that it's okay to be in the condition I am and uh, come to terms with it, accept it, and understand that I might not be everyone's cup of tea, like I suppose in any other relationship. And um, and be honest about it when I, when I can. Yeah, I think the key for me, the the thing I needed to do was to get comfortable with talking about it mm-hmm. so that it didn't kind of like come out of left field or I didn't find myself on a first date for the first time ever explaining how this thing limits my life because that's <laughs> not where you want to be having this conversation the first ever time you have it you know there's lots of things about um, long-term conditions including things like fertility and the ability to have a fa- like really really sensitive issues that actually you're not encouraged necessarily to talk about you know how do you present that to someone else Hmm. how do you and and you don't want to be fumbling and feeling your way through that kind of conversation for the first time ever with someone that you kind of are interested in and so for me it's like really important that I feel confident explaining what my illness is how it affects me the difficulties I have but also why it's not all crap and you know there is there are some amazing things that come from like living this life and yes. just kind of getting really comfortable with it so that there's not any awkwardness. I think because for me as well, that is all part of making sure you give the other person the opportunity to respond in the best way that they can. Because I think sometimes I've been a bit guilty of almost like putting it out there almost as a challenge. Like, mm. let's see if you can handle this information. This is what's <laughs> happened. ABC like all drama and and actually that's you know of course people are going to be a bit shocked because it's a shocking story and and maybe that doesn't give them the kind of space and time to go oh how do I feel about that and respond in a in the best way that they can rather than trying to catch them out of seeing if they have a negative reaction 
Mm. So if I'm kind of confident and calm and I kind of explain it clearly and then it it offers them the opportunity to respond to, you know, show them best their best selves too. Yeah, I love that. What do you what do you think, Scott? What works for you? Um, I think oh, some, some, <laughs> some of the things that worked really well for me were being prepared to have a lot of conversations with people. So I, I, I spoke to loads of people. So yeah, the, the number of people I spoke to were, were a lot. And then I think I ended up going on quite a few kind of first dates with a lot of people. Well, yeah, a reasonable number of people. And then the number of people that I went on like second and third dates with were considerably less than that. And then, so, mm. you know, I was quite, I was quite happy with the fact that actually I, I have to be prepared for other people to say actually i you know this isn't for me but also i i had to be really confident in the fact that i um i wasn't just going to settle for for somebody just because they seemed interested in me either um i think it's it's quite it can be quite easy to kind of almost almost feel like you're really yeah like you're really lucky um to find somebody mm. who's really interested in you and kind of settle for 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 someone i swear to god i was just thinking that yeah to settle for someone that you perhaps wouldn't normally or otherwise have settled for because <clears throat> because they're really interested in you and and that was something that i kind of i yeah i i kind of I decided for myself that actually I yeah I was really determined not to do so I I had to a few times force myself to actually to step away from um from situations and and kind of wait for um you know wait for for the times to feel really right so you know you you have to you have to um kind of get good at let's say no sometimes um you know whether that just be kind of the initial conversation stages or or what or when you're on a on a date or, or whatever it might be um but yeah you know as, as both of you said it's it's about feeling confident in your own skin as well which is isn't easy to do um sometimes but i i think it's really important to to really begin to feel comfortable with who you are before you even start to look at the dating side of things um, because you don't want to be having some of these conversations for the first time when you're on a date or um, you know talking to somebody that you don't know necessarily right it's kind of getting to that point where you can be like I'm a catch without any of this stuff <laughs> like yeah. kind of going in there with like I shouldn't be grateful that someone's willing to date me with with this illness or with this condition um because also it sets up a weird dynamic. If someone's, you know, you can mistake someone being really full of care and compassion for you and a kind of like romantic interest. They are two very different things. And it's sort of, sometimes it's difficult as someone, you know, who does need occasionally someone to look after them and, and, and help them out a bit. It's, it's a, it sets up a strange dynamic and you have to be really careful that you don't just become a dependent person mm. in a relationship and not like an equal part equal part partner um so i think you're completely right yeah absolutely oh guys and scott you're giving me hope you know i keep thinking oh my god i'm 40 this year and uh, but there is scott and he got married and uh, and uh, claire you're dating and look beautiful and gorgeous and so i'm not alone and that's really nice and it's really nice. So for anyone out there, we've got two very eligible uh, eligible ladies here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yes, <laughs> all right. And I think now's probably a good idea to go around people's social profiles and how to get in touch. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, so 
So Claire, how do people get in touch with you? Um, I'm on Twitter and Instagram um, at the Wheezy Life. Wheezy being, yeah, a hilarious pun. The fact I can't breathe very well. Uh, but yeah, hit me up there. It'd be lovely to meet more people, <laughs> romantic or otherwise. <laughs> <laughs> and Abby, what about you? Uh, I am on uh, Instagram. Uh, I think it's S Triple L U N I C K O Sloninchko. And uh, then uh, I also, you can uh, find me on our Bridges account, which Scott can tell you more about it. And Twitter is, Scott, what's my Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> Every Evie. time. Evie underscore Machova. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, and people can find me on, on Twitter at Ballard Ridley, B-A-L-L-A-R-D-R-I-D-L-E-Y, and on Instagram at dadcantse, D-A-D-C-A-N-T-S-W-E. Um, I think I put too many E's in there, but people <laughs> spell C. Um, cool. Right. Um, and you can get in touch with Bridges uh, on Twitter at BridgesSelfMGMT. You can get in touch with our Instagram, as ever you were saying, um, at BridgesSelfMGMT, where we're trying to do um, a bit of a kind of a patient-led um, Instagram, uh, an Instagram, uh, like, uh, yeah, a patient-led Instagram Thing. so we're, we're trying to kind of give our experiences a bit more through our Instagram um, things so go and check that out um, we've got a, a Bridges <clears throat> Facebook community of practice for clinicians that are looking to find out a bit more about Bridges as well um, you can get in touch with us via email on admin at bridgesselfmanagement.org.uk and if you want to subscribe to the Bridges cast um, you can subscribe through Apple Podcasts or Spotify or wherever you get your normal podcasts. And just to tease a few podcasts coming up, um, we're going to be doing a bit of a follow-on to this podcast on um, on sex and relationships with um, some different voices you'll be pleased to hear. <laughs> so it won't just be me, Claire, and, and Evie. Um, we're going to have some different voices Um coming on to talk about that so stay tuned to find out um yeah about some sex and relationship stuff and we've also got some other really exciting podcasts lined up as well um which we're going to be releasing on a bit more of a regular schedule um so yeah thanks ever so much for listening everyone um and we'll speak to you again you. really soon yeah thanks guys thank you thanks, bye <laughs>